0: lord i thank you today you want us to have everything you desire for us lord you have a plan you have a purpose but it's only for those who love you and lord i pray as we look at your word today you would help us those that do love you to know there is a god in heaven who's in control who is working out his plan, who has the best interests of us and others on his mind and on his heart because he's a merciful God and he works all things together for his purpose, for good to those who love him. And I believe you, Lord. It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter what my feelings tell me. It doesn't matter what situation I find myself in. You are in control and you know what you're doing and you know how to do it and you know how to bring about your plan in my life and everyone here's life, Lord, in your church and in the earth. So, Lord, I pray you would speak to our hearts today through your word, God. Speak to us, teach us your ways, help us, Lord, to love you, to trust you, to know that. You are in control to allow you to prepare these vessels for the master's use. So Lord, I thank you and I trust you to anoint this word and to let it accomplish what you desire it to accomplish this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to be preaching on one verse, but really looking at about 12 chapters that have to do with this verse. So um, we're not going to go through all 12 chapters, but we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph. Uh, But the verse I want to start out with is Romans 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So, we, you know, there's conditional promises in the Bible, and this is one of them. All things do work together for good, but it's to those who love him. It's to those who are called according to his purpose. And I know all of us go through trials. I know all of us go through suffering. And the all things there, many times, include trials and sufferings. And that's what I want to focus on today. Those things. Not just the good things, the nice things, but the hard things that God allows into our lives. That are working together for good. To those who love Him. To those who are called according to his purpose. When it says to them that loves God, it means um, people who love God, people who are sincere and as best as they can are trusting God, even though they're in a trial, that trial that God allows into their life actually does good to them rather than harm. It's a blessing to them. While others that don't love him prove otherwise, on others that trials and suffering that are sent from God come, it produces something totally different. It produces many times murmuring. Instead of peace, unrest and anxiety. Instead of obedience rebellion instead of anger of instead of submission anger impatience hatred instead of calmness patience and love so the true believer the one who loves god the one that has placed their lives into his hands is made better God does good to that person in those all things, even though sometimes those all things are trials and suffering. This whole concept of to those who love God is so important. It really is. It really is at the core of those who truly are saved, those who truly know Him. It's vital to our faith to understand the the whole idea or concept of loving God. Jesus said in John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. So you see, it is conditional. And I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. that expression those that love God is tied to the promises of God and we see it many times in scripture 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says but as it is written eye has not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared hallelujah for those who love him for those who love him Ephesians 6:24 says, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. In sincerity. Amen. Amen. Can we amen that? Amen. Amen. All right. James 2, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? Praise the Lord which he has promised to those who love him. So the promise we're reading about in Romans 8, 28, is a sure thing. All things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as Rose would say, the trials, the sufferings, all things work together for good to those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Now, we can suffer and go through trials for many reasons. And they're not always good reasons. It's not always good. And so I'm just going to look at a few. This isn't an exhaustive list, but it's quite a list. There's many reasons why God allows trials and suffering. If we have unconfessed sin, we are going to suffer. 1 Corinthians 11.30 For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Many are dying because of sin and rebellion. God allows us to reap what we sow. Sometimes suffering and trials are just a natural consequence of our own choices. Galatians 6. Verse 7, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap uh, reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap everlasting life. He allows it to show us that our sin and other people's sin doesn't just affect us or them. It affects everybody around us. Joshua 7 gives us a good picture where one man takes something that's devoted to God and the whole camp suffers because of it. Fathers are told in Ephesians, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Your actions, how you live could cause your children to suffer. Now, children, I I know they all left, but you're told, too, you know, obey your parents in that same portion of Scripture. Honor your father and mother, which is the first command, with promise that it may be well with you. So, kids, obey your parents. Honor them. God allows suffering to show us, to help us realize this Life on earth is not heaven. We live in a fallen world, and suffering and trial proves it. All the suffering in the world proves we live in a fallen world. Romans 8, 22 through 25 speaks about that. We know the whole creation groans, labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, we groan under The curse, this sin-cursed world. It's just part of God helping us understand something's wrong. He helps us through suffering and trials to realize we've placed our hope somewhere else than in Him. There's a verse in Proverbs, I don't remember where it is exactly now, but it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And if you're putting your hope in this world, or anything in this world, your hope will be delayed, deferred. It will not come to pass. And your heart will be sick. You will suffer because your hope isn't in the only one who is our only hope. He allows suffering to chastise his children, right? Psalm 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Some of us here need to thank God. He afflicted us in our sin, Right? He allows it to produce the fruit of righteousness in his true sons and daughters. Hebrews 12, verse 6. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He scourges every son. If you're a true son, everybody, he's going to bring everyone through that fire for a reason. It's for our holiness, we're told, in that scripture. But there's a warning in that scripture. Beware lest there be a heart or a root of bitterness that rise up. In other words, you accuse God when he comes to refine you and to chastise you. And we're going to look at that a little later. I won't get into that now. Okay, He allows it to bring fruit in our lives. Even though we might be new and budding some fruit, guess what? Just like... A good farmer prunes his tree so it produces more fruit. We're told in John chapter 15 that God is a vine dresser and we're the branch. And even though we might be bearing some fruit, he comes sometimes with those cutters and he cuts us back so that we can produce more fruit. So he does it for that reason. He does it to teach us how weak we really are and how much we need him. uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 and 9. This is the Apostle Paul. We don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. Above strength. We even despaired of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So you don't, you don't understand resurrection power until you go through the fire and, and God shows you how really weak you are and then you put your trust in him and you begin to believe him for the grace and the strength to do things that are impossible for you to do. Also in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul, again in verse 7, says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. In other words, so I wouldn't rise up in pride. God, a thorn in the flesh was given to me from God, a messenger of Satan, from God, from God's very hand. And we know in that passage, he pleaded with God. God, take this away, please, God, take this thorn away. And what does God say? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, "Most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me." Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, uh, infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm so thankful that it's been hard I am I look back on my walk of faith and I'm so thankful I can say this with with true sincerity for the trials for for the times when I felt like I could not go on but yet in the midst of that I got a sight a revelation of God a truth of his promise made real in my life that I wouldn't have got any other way and then you know what I was able to share that with somebody else It became food for someone else. So I'm thankful. We're thankful for what we went through. I wouldn't be here if God didn't afflict my soul. But also for the suffering that we chose to follow Christ and honor him. That's the best. You don't want to suffer for sin. You want to suffer for Christ. And that's really what we're focusing on today. Okay, he allows it. To enlarge our appreciation for God's sufficiency. 2 Corinthians 4 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And what does Paul follow with, with that? We're hard-pressed every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. See, that's all the good things. That's God's purpose. Making us more like Christ, making our lives or our vessel a a vessel that can glorify Him. And He does it through that, through the crushing, through the perplexing times, through the times where we feel like we're in a a pressure cooker and everything's going to just burst, but yet God is there and we're not struck down. Somehow we get up, we're like, somehow we get through it and God is glorified. He does it to test and strengthen our faith. 1 Peter 1, verse 6 and 7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4 tells us, In verse 12, don't think it's strange, the fiery trial that you are going through, as though something strange is happening to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. He does it or allows it to drive us to God's word. Psalm 119.71, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. It Hopefully, it drives you to this word, because this is the only place you're going to find the answer. It creates opportunities to be a witness for Christ. Philippians one two. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happen to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. And he's talking about his chains, imprisonment, bad things seemingly working for good of the gospel. And most importantly to develop a Christ-like character. And we see that in Romans 8:28 right after that verse. That's his greatest goal is to make us more like Jesus. And this, I'm going to throw this one in there um, because this has to do with the body, and this body really does live this out well. He allows suffering and trials to cause us to recognize our need for one another in the body of Christ and to draw us closer to one another. Haven't we seen that here? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25, there should be no schism, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, they all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. And God does that here. It's a beautiful thing. And then lastly, again, this isn't an exhaustive list, but lastly, to bring glory to himself. It's all about God being glorified. And we, we see this in a, in a healing Jesus does in John chapter 9, where this man is blind from his birth, and of course his disciples want to know, you know, whose sin caused this? Was it him, his parents? Why is this man blind? What brought about this blindness? And Jesus says this, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. You know, it's one of those things where I don't have to understand. And, and we'll see. He allows trials and things in our life too because he's just bigger than we are and he knows things we'll never know or understand. And we just got to trust him in the midst of it. So we know that all things work together for good to who? To those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Watchman knee said this, and this is key, because um, God wants to produce in your life, in my life, what he is determined to produce. He wants to use your life the way he is determined to use your life. So, I want to look at the life of Joseph Got a little help of myself there. Um, and I'm going to start in Genesis 37. And really what I am going to encourage you guys to, because I am not going through all these chapters, it goes all the way from Genesis 37 all the way to Genesis 50. You need to read it. You need to go over it. You need to just meditate. Just go over the whole story and, and put yourself in there. Remember trials or maybe something you're going through and let God speak to you through the whole story of Joseph. I'm just going to touch on a few things that we learn from Joseph so all things work together for the good in our lives. All right, so we see here in Genesis 37 um, in verse 1, that Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, is sojourning in the land of Canaan. They're still kind of just being pilgrims, sojourning there in the land of Canaan. He has a son, it says, Joseph, and he's about 17 years of age, we're told, in verse 2. And his father loves him more than all of his other brothers because he's a child of his old age. And maybe some parents can maybe relate to that here. It's really not a good thing what his dad's doing, and it causes a lot of problems with his brothers because they see dad favors this kid. Dad even makes for him a special coat of many colors that they didn't get. So there's some envy going on. And then he has a dream we see in verse 4. And he dreams of these sheaves. You know, they're farmers. They understand that it's, it's harvest time and you would stand the sheaves up, bundle them up. But in his dream, the sheaves are bowing down to him and he's a sheaf and they're a sheaf. And they're all bowing down to him. And they're like, wait a minute, who's this kid think he is? Who's he think he is? Like, we're going to bow down to him. Then he has another dream where the sun, the moon, and the stars, everything is bowing down. And now his father's like, hey, kid, you need to chill out. <laughs> You're getting a little um, high minded there. But yet his father still pondered it, it says. So I'm going to be paraphrasing this, sorry. It's just too much to read. So, they're not happy. And a very evil intent rises up in their heart. So his dad says, hey, Joseph, go see what's going on with your brothers. Go find out where they took the sheep and see, give me, go check it out and come back and give me a report. So he goes looking for his brothers and he runs into a guy and and asks him, hey, have you seen you know, some guys with some sheep. is, oh, yeah, it went that way. And so he goes where the guy tells him, and his brothers see him. Ah, oh, here, look at him. There he is. You know what? We're far from home. Let's get him. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of this punk. I'm tired of just his dreams and just dad gloating over him. We need to get rid of this troublemaker. You know, and he had already given a bad report about them another time. So they come up with an evil plot to kill him. They're going to throw him in a pit and basically kill him in like an empty well, it says. So in verse 22, um, he comes, they strip him of his coat, and they put him in the pit. And then afterwards, they draw him out, and they sell him because one of his brothers steps in. And he's like, this isn't good. Like, i got to figure out a way... To not let my brothers kill him. Well, these traders come by. And, you know, they sell slaves. And so they sell Joseph to these slaves. And he's taken away to Egypt. Now, just think about it. Think about your life. God calls you. God's calling this young man. God's giving this young man Visions. He understands there's something's going on here. There's some kind of plan for my life. I don't fully understand it yet, but God is calling me. God has a purpose for my life. And then this happens. And I believe with all of my heart, Joseph loved God. Even though he was a ruddy teenager, you know how they can be. A know-it-all, snarky sometimes, right? But yet, I believe it was sincere. I believe because his father told him about God and he listened and he believed God. There was a sincerity in there, but he needed some work. So it's not a very positive beginning. It's rather embarrassing, actually, that this is the first chapter in the story of a man of God. But this is all of our story. And if you want to be used by God, if I want to be used by God, this is how it starts. This is the first chapter. If you don't embrace this, if, you don't, if you're not willing to go through this, you'll never be useful for God. It's part of the all things working together for our good. If we love Him, again, it's just like the process and plan God has for every true believer of Christ. So how we respond is vital when it happens because the danger is you could be the seed that Jesus talked about that's sown in the ground and there's life, it's excited and all that, but what happens? The minute the heat of the sun comes up, the minute God brings the sun, it withers up and dies because it never took root. The, The heart wasn't right. So, We're given no details, but something happens to Joseph between the time he's thrown into the pit in Dothan and the time he's sold to the traders to an Egyptian. Something changed when Joseph got to Egypt. And I believe he made a choice. Doesn't tell us, but I believe he made a choice. I believe he chose to believe that even though he didn't understand what was in it, that God's hand was still upon his life, and that God was still in control. And he surrendered himself to it. You have to do that. This is vital. This is the first thing we learn if all things are going to work together for us who love God. Okay? We must see everything that happens in our lives, everything, directly from the hand of God. If you don't see that You'll think the devil's messing you with you, um, or you'll accuse God. You'll see people instead of the hand of God. You'll see circumstances instead of the hand of God in your life, trying to bring about his purpose in your life. So we have a choice. Remember, Hebrews 12 says what? The father scourges every son. That includes daughters as well. Every son. So God has a goal. So now I'll read what Watchman Nee said. We have to recognize whose hand is dealing with us. We need to learn how to kneel down and kiss the hand that the trial is coming through. The hand that deals with us, the loving hand that is dealing with us. We must have this kind of light, this kind of knowledge, this kind of understanding. And I'll just pause and say it here. If you're not a student of the Word, if you are not immersing yourself in the Word of God, you will not have that understanding. You won't have it. You learn it from the truth of God's Word. This is how God works This is normal, I'm told in Scripture. This is supposed to happen. So God, I don't understand it, but God, I welcome it and I trust you because you promised me even though I'm going through this trial, you're going to work it out for my good. And it's just part of you raising me up so I can be useful for you whatever time I have here on earth. So we accept and we believe that it's God's hand, okay? Remember Job? Talk about seemingly God messing with someone. He's not messing with them. God's accomplishing something in this man's life. And so he loses his kids. He loses his wealth. Everything is wiped out. And then finally, he's inflicted in his body. He's got sores, boils all over him. Talk about misery. And then he's got a wife who's a real help telling him, just curse God and die. And what does he say? (laughs) You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this... Job didn't sin with his lips. Anybody here ever sin with your lips? Yeah. What about going through that and not sinning with your lips? Man, I read this stuff and I'm like, man, what is wrong with me? <laughs> but I'm also encouraged because I know they're people just like we. We are. And we have more than they had. We do. Psalm 66 says, in verse 10, You, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. See, you got to read the last part. All things work together for good even that (laughs) people riding over your head i mean just it doesn't make sense to us but yet that's how god brings about good and his purpose in our lives it's amazing you see people there's such a bigger picture than we understand god had a plan for joseph god has a plan for you you, you have no idea. I have no idea how big that plan is. We're so uh, limited in our vision. We're so limited sometimes in our scope of things. But yet God sees the end and the beginning. He sees the whole plan before him. And he knows what he's doing. He's working behind the scenes. And somehow he's trying to guide us and get us just where he wants us. Just like Joseph. It's amazing to me. So... Joseph somehow had to accept what was happening from God. And I want to encourage you today. I don't care what you're going through. Accept it. Thank God for it. Accept it. No, God, this is your hand in my life. God, I embrace the trials and the suffering. And that is hard. Thank you, Lord. You know what you're doing. I trust you, God, to bring about your will and purpose in my life. So... Next, we see Joseph. He's a different person. He's not this same snarky kid. Obviously, this Potiphar's house that he was put into as a slave in Egypt, this guy saw something. He saw a mature adult. He saw a young man with a lot of wisdom. He saw God. He, he actually acknowledged God's with this young man. Everything he touches, everything in my house, man, I'm making more money than I've ever made. Blessed God's blessing is surely on this young man. And he raises him and puts him to a place of position. Now, most of us, we'd be happy right there. All right, Lord, well, you brought good. I'm, I'm here in a foreign land and all that, but hey, you, you gave me a good position in the house here. I'm living pretty good, so thanks, Lord. Oh no, <laughs> he's not done. This isn't the master plan, this is just part of it. So it says in uh, Genesis 39, verse 1: as Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, a captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there, and it says the Lord was with Joseph. Sure doesn't sound like it, right? That's how we feel when this stuff's happening. Lord, where are you? No, he's with you. If you love him if, uh, the best as you can, you're trusting him, and you're for repenting even when the wrong thoughts come, but you're, you're holding on. He's with you. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's with you just like he was with Joseph. And he was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw the Lord was with him. Don't you want people to know God is with you? That's what God wants. What is it with this person? God is with them. And that the Lord made all things he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, served him, and he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. And now here's the but. But, see again, I'm good now, God. I can do this. But it says in verse 7, it came to pass after these things his master's wife, cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. So God's not done. But it says in verse 8, he refused, and he said to the master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. He has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. Because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. Now, as I was praying and studying over this, the Lord dropped it in my heart we feel like and maybe you do this with your kids maybe you do this with yourself like we got to put ourselves in a cocoon and protect ourselves like from any kind of temptation but yet god didn't protect him from that a woman every day lie with me lie with me why didn't god remove him out of that situation Well, Joseph didn't put himself in that situation. And so, yes, we don't put ourselves in situations. You don't put your kid in a situation, but you don't put him in such a cocoon or a bubble that God can't even bring them to places where he wants a test, where he wants to teach him how to fight and teach you how to fight. He might lead you into a place. He won't tempt you, but he'll allow it. Just like he did with Joseph. And it's part of the testing. It's how we grow. It's how we learn. There's a way out of temptation. And we see he found it. He found the way. It says he didn't heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work. And none of the men of the house was inside. She caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. Listen. He's probably in his 20s, so we got some 20-year-olds here, right? Um, And, you know, I talk to the guys and all that. It's hard when you're single. You know, Paul talks about passions and all that. So we're talking about a young man here with hormones. And I'm sure Potiphar's wife wasn't a dog. I don't know if that's correct or what. But you know what I mean. I'm sure she was a a nice-looking woman. Okay, I mean the guy's come on, he's someone in charge. All right. Uh, that's the old New Yorkish. Forgive me, Lord. <laughs> Listen to what he says. He left his garment in her hand. He fled. He ran outside. Wow. Where'd that come from? Guys, let me say this to you. There's no temptation that has overtaken you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. And with the temptation, he will give you a way of escape and he'll help you to bear up under it. That's either true or it's not. And if this guy could do it, he didn't have a brother to call. Hey, I'm really struggling. Pray for me. He didn't have group me where he could, you know, post it up. That I'm having a hard day today. Pray for me. It was him and God. And he had obviously cultivated a relationship with God that something that God put in him came out when that time came. And that's what will happen. When you and I are cultivating our walks with God, when we are learning... What it means to love him, to honor him, to fear him. Joseph understood these things. His father spoke to him of these things. And he obviously nurtured them, cultivated them. And when this time came, what came out of him was from his heart. It was from the life that God established in him that he wants to establish in you and in me. How can I do this thing, this abomination? There's a fear of God, but there's also a love for God. How can I sin against him? It's unimaginable that I would sin against my God. So if you want all things to work out together for good, you have to learn to walk and cultivate in the fear and the love of God. And the fear of God, Proverbs 1-7 tells us, is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom, many times in the book of Proverbs, is talked about of a fool and a wise person. The best picture to me is Proverbs 7. Just read it. It's such a picture of temptation and how it works. And it shows a young man who's not walking in wisdom. He's not walking in the fear of God. And a harlot meets him and she seduces him. And, and he goes after it like an ox goes after the slaughter. And he doesn't understand it's going to cost him his life. And we're told to listen, to learn from that. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom doesn't even take the, cor- the street by the corner of our house. Doesn't go near the door. So the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, The end of all matters is this fear God, obey his commandments. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. I like what A.W. Tozer said I love him because he's my savior. I fear him because he's my judge. I believe Joseph had that, and it's what we need. How can I sin against God? And I I said this earlier, Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I cannot stress this enough. If you are not spending time at the feet of Jesus, if you are not meditating on the word day and night, that will not be there. You will lose the fear of God. You will lose your love for God. It's something that has to be cultivated. And you'll begin to compromise. You'll begin to sin against him because you haven't hidden his word in your heart. It, makes, it means taking time to learn of him, to be instructed to let him give you revelation of himself and to be filled with himself. Paul told a young uh, Timothy minister in 2 Timothy this in chapter 3, verse 14. You must, you must continue in the things which you have learned, been assured of, knowing whom you have learned them from and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise, for salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. It's good for you for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. So God's purpose now finds Joseph in prison for doing the right thing. We get mad when we're suffering for the wrong thing. We're still victims. I, I want to say this to any victims out there you will never get help until you take responsibility for your life and that you are where you are because of your own choices. But for those of that you love God, and maybe you're confused, and you're trying to do the right thing, and you're saying, God, I don't understand. I did the right thing, and now I'm in prison. He's still with you. He's still with you. He's working all things out for his good in your life. Just keep loving him. Keep trusting him, because he was still with Joseph. Genesis 39, 20 says, then Joseph's master took him, put him in prison. A place where the king's prisoners were confined. And there he was in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. There you go. God was still with him. The Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. Again, he saw something. What is it about this guy? Everything he does, I've never heard of such wisdom. God is with this young man, and he he puts him in a place of trust that he doesn't even inquire what's going on in the the prison. He leaves matters, everything to Joseph. Amazing. Well, okay, Lord, I guess if this is where I'm going to be the rest of my life, I guess I'll just minister to people here in prison and You know, it's not that bad. I'm in charge now, so I guess I'll settle down in your will for my life. Nope. He's still not done. God's still using him. And I want to say this to you, because some of you think you got to wait for God's plan in your life, the plan. No, your plan starts now. The minute you get saved, God's plan starts in your life. God started using Joseph right away. He used him in Potiphar's house. He's using him in the prison. He's, he's being a witness to others. Who knows how many people he talked to about God. So it doesn't mean I'm waiting this whole time before I do anything. No, he's serving. He's about God's business. You understand? And we need to be about his business. So he's there in prison and it came to pass, we see in Genesis 40, um, that the, the king's butler and baker wind up in the prison. And I'll just kind of, again, paraphrase. Uh, and basically, you know, they're accused of whatever, dishonoring the pharaoh, whatever, something that could get their heads lifted from them, their heads chopped off. And so they both have a dream. And they don't understand what it means, and they go to Joseph. They hear this guy can interpret dreams. So he interprets the dreams, and basically he tells one guy, hey, this is your dream. Three days, you're going to be before the pharaoh again, serving them. You're going to get out of here. The second guy is not so good, the baker. He's like, well, your dream is, you know, the birds that were eating your baked goods on your head, it's actually because they're going to take your head off in three days. So in three days, the cupbearer is restored. And Joseph says to him in verse 14, Remember me. Remember me when it's well with you. Please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I indeed was stolen away from the land of Hebrews and also I have done nothing here that they should put me in this dungeon. All right, this is it this is my time. I'm getting out of here. I remember last year when I was working with Ray, he got all excited. like He was for sure, for sure, he was getting out in May. And nothing he did worked. Nothing I tried worked. And, you know, again, I think sometimes we, even as ministers or we're trying to help people, we're almost messing up what God is needing to do. So, you know, and Rose is telling me, "Hun, maybe he needs to stay there. And I'm like, no, he he needs to get out so we can work with him. And, you know, I got my plan, but God's got another plan. So everything falls apart and it gets worse for him. And so I get on the phone with him without even knowing what's going on. And I feel led, Ray, I don't know why, but you need to go through the story of Joseph. Just read it and go through it. And, you know, I think he said to me um, that he had been thinking of that for some reason. And that happened I don't know how many times when we would talk because God's really speaking to him. So it says about Joseph that he languished two more years in that prison before the cupbearer remembered his request. And Ray is still there in prison. But you know what I'm seeing now? It's exactly where he needs to be. He's in church three times a week now. He's in the Word. He's growing. Um, He's taking classes to to help him. He's exactly where he needs to be. And he's telling me, I'm going to be out in May. I'm like, okay, we'll see if the Lord wills. So did the wheels of Providence stop those two years? Nope. They were still turning, a little slow, but they were turning. You know what our problem is? We don't have patience. We're not learning how to patiently endure. Hebrews tells us we're going to have to learn how to do that. And so Joseph had to patiently endure. And then at the right time, Pharaoh has a dream. Where's the dream from? It's from God. Now the butler remembers. Oh, hey, Pharaoh, there's a guy in prison. He told me my dream, and it it happened what he said. So they get him out of prison, and he interprets the Pharaoh's dream. And basically, what he tells Pharaoh is, hey, this is your dream. There's going to be seven years of plenty, and then there's going to be a severe salmon. Salmon. (laughs) Famine. (laughs) A severe salmon. That sounds scary. (laughs) severe famine. He's like, hey, you need to get someone and you need to gather up all the plenty in the seven years. And you need to put someone over it so that when it gets really bad, um, they could distribute it and manage it and all that. And he's like, well, why not you? Obviously, God is with you. Again, he saw something. So Joseph gets placed as like the right hand of Pharaoh. There's no one greater in Egypt besides a Pharaoh than Joseph. Amazing. And so there's seven years of plenty, just like he said. And then the famine comes, and now God's plan begins to unfold because now his brothers and his father are starving, and the only place to get food is Egypt. And and God understands my people got to go to Egypt and they're gonna be there for a while. And then they're gonna be in bondage, and then I'm gonna raise up a man named Moses. See, God has this master plan, and here's Joseph, like in his thing, but yet he's a piece in this master plan. That's what your life is. You need to understand there's such a greater picture. So the brothers got to go, and I'm not—it's a whole nother thing. Um, but basically, he's restored to his brothers. They've suffered because of their sin. They've been guilt-ridden. They've watched their fathers for years, unable to get over the death of his son Joseph, and they're torn up inside. And God brings a test to them through Joseph, and Joseph sees, wow, they've really repented, and in tears. He embraces his brothers, the very ones who threw him in a pit, who wanted to kill him. And you understand Joseph is a type of Christ. And just like his brothers, our sin threw Jesus in a pit, our sin crucified Jesus. But if the guilt, the suffering, the pain we go through because of our sin somehow gets us to the point where we'll humble ourselves and repent and acknowledge I'm guilty, I was wrong, please forgive me, God will embrace you, just like Joseph embraced his brothers. And that was God's ultimate plan. It's beautiful. God had a plan, and and I want to say this. God saw what was coming. People, please hear me. There's something coming. Please hear me. It's right on the horizon. And God knows what's coming. And he's wanting to raise up Joseph. He's trying to get his people to a place where he can use them, just like he used Joseph. To rescue others so they don't die to bring life, to be food for us, even if it means our death, our suffering. That's all things. He's working together for good, not just us, but mostly for other people. See, because if you're saved, you're already going to heaven. That's the greatest good you'll ever have. He wants to produce good now. He wants to use your life now. He's got a plan now for your life. So, Joseph had to keep choosing to love God, to trust Him, even though everything around him said different. So, I'm going to end. I know many here have been going through it, will go through it, whether you're in it now or you'll be in it next week. Um, You're going to go through trials. You're going to suffer. If you're a child of God, God is going to bring things into your life or has brought things into your life, and it's from him. And so I want to encourage you today. Do like Joseph. Choose. Choose to see this is God. Even though I don't understand it, Lord, this somehow is from you, and you're wanting to produce something in my life. And so, Lord, I'm surrendering it to you. I'm not looking to get out of it. Lord, or, or shorten it. Lord, however long I need to be in this prison, however long I, I need to be under this or that or deal with this, whatever it is. Lord, let your will be done, not mine. And let your good, your purpose, come out of this trial I find myself in. So embrace it. Embrace it from God's loving hand let him produce what he's wanting to produce in your life I'm going to ask us to stand for those here that know him and you're just going through it Um, maybe you've been complaining or resisting not understanding even that god is in whatever it is you're dealing with um, and you feel like you need to just surrender to that and and trust god to give you what you need and let the good the purpose he's wanting to produce come forth um If you feel like you need to publicly do that or you just want prayer, um, just want to let people know, hey, yeah, I've been going through it, but you know what? I'm going with God. I'm I'm surrendering this today. I'm choosing to trust Him. No matter how long it takes, no matter how hard it is, I want God's will. I want God's purpose for my life. I want God to use me in the days to come. So if you want to Respond to that, you want prayer for that, um, we'll make time for that. But also, there's others here today. You're like Joseph's brothers. You're suffering, you're facing trials for the wrong reasons, you're reaping from your own choices. And like Joseph's brothers, you're suffering because of rebellion and because of sin. Like I said earlier, Joseph is a type of Christ. And just as he forgave his brothers, who meant evil to him. And our sin is evil towards God. Our rebellion is evil towards God. And it did evil to him. It did much harm and suffering to God. It crucified Jesus. But yet even so, even though our sin crucified him, he has mercy for anybody that will just humble themselves like Joseph's brothers and say, I was wrong. Please forgive me. You know what Joseph said to his brothers after his fathers died and they thought, oh, dad's dead. Now he's going to get us. Nope. God had so transformed Joseph, he had the heart of God. And you know what he said? Listen, guys, I'm not going to hurt you. I know you meant evil. You meant harm to me. But you know what? God meant it for good. I understand now. Now I understand. And our sin, it was evil. It bruised the heart of God. It crushed him. And man did mean it for evil. He he rebelled against a holy, loving God. But yet, even in that, God brought good out of it. He brought good out of the crucifixion of Jesus. And all you have to do is humble yourself. All you have to do is admit your guilt, admit your sin. Repent and ask forgiveness, and God will embrace you. And then his plan can start going forth in your life. And then all things can start working together for good in your life instead of bad. That's what he's promising today. He won't repay you for your sins. He already paid the price. Just like Joseph didn't repay his brothers. He blessed them. God will bless you. He will give you life. Anyone here, you're Joseph's brother. You've sinned against God. You've hurt the heart of God with your rebellion. God is calling you to his loving arms. He has mercy for you. If God is speaking, if you're tired of reaping the consequences, of your choices, of your rebellion. That's tiring. It says in the Bible, the way of the transgressor is hard. And you know what? You know what the problem is? Nothing good comes out of it. Nothing but death and misery. God is offering life today. Anyone online. So if there's anyone here, you need forgiveness from God. You need to ask God to forgive you for your rebellion, to forgive you for your bad choices, for your sin. He's here for you. And he wants to embrace you. He wants to cover your sin. He wants to give you life. Anyone, just come down to this altar. Give your heart to him. Bow your knee to him. Confess your sins. He's faithful. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Anyone online, he has mercy for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, anyone else? You know the Lord, but you've been resisting. You haven't understood, maybe. You've questioned God. You've maybe even doubted his goodness. You don't see his hand. or You haven't acknowledged his hand in your situation. God wants you to surrender today. He wants you to make a choice today to trust him, to love him, to know that he's in control, to know that he is bringing about good and that he's bringing about his purpose in your life. All you need to do is surrender and, and say, Lord, I repent, Lord. I, I haven't seen your hand. And, Lord, I feel like you're just taking from me, but you're not, Lord. And God, I just publicly want to surrender to you today and embrace the trial, whatever suffering I'm going through or will go through, Lord, so that your plan, your purpose can go forth in my life. I want you to use me in the days we are living, God. So I surrender to your plan. Let me be a Joseph. Thank you, Lord. So we're just going to take some time. You know, you might have to do this every day. Every morning you get up, you might have to do this. And so let this be the beginning, but like I said, get up tomorrow. Get on your knees. Say, Lord, I surrender. I trust you. Let your plan be worked out, Lord, even though I don't understand what's going on. And let's remember one another that we're in this together. Amen?